I'm not pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for other drive to work coronavirus edition. Okay, guys, today I'm going to talk about the creature type gods. Um, so the interesting thing is magic in the past definitely had characters that were godlike. Um, but it wasn't until Theros, the original Theros, that we decided we were going to give, we were going to make God a creature type. Um, and basically what happened was when we were making Theros, one of the things we said is, okay, how do we take, you know, we wanted to have a Greek mythology inspired world, but how do we take Greek mythology and blend it with magic in a way that made it feel very magic? Um, and the answer to that was, well, what if we had a pantheon of gods that were seen through the color wheel? You know, like one of the things that's really cool when we make a world is you want to figure out how the magic color pie fits into the world. That it's the most iconic thing of magic. That if you want a world to feel like magic, you have to figure out how the color pie applies to it. And the idea that the pantheon of gods was seen through the color pie felt really cool. And we actually had a discussion, like, should they actually be gods? Should we actually call them gods? Um, like, I, like I said, prior to Theros, we had had cards. I mean, like, for example, um, you know, in, in the original Kamigawa, we had characters that you could have called gods. And we had in um, uh, in Shadowmoor, we had uh, a, a, a cycle of things that you could have called gods. But we we didn't. It wasn't until Theros would say, but you know, we said, okay, we're doing Greek mythology. You know, we're doing, and gods are such a, a key part of it that we said, okay, let, let's just do gods. Um, so the big question was, like, once we had the idea that we're going to do gods and we were going to see the pantheon through the color pie, um, the next big question was, well, how do you feel like a god? Like, that was, a, okay, how do I make a card that says, this feels like a god? Uh, and so, for Theros, like, one that you, what you'll see in today's podcast is, we've done gods a couple different times, and each time we've done them, we've approached it a little bit differently. Um, so, we'll, I'm starting with the Theros gods. We'll eventually get to the Amonkhet gods, to the Call Time gods, um, Adventures of Forgotten Realm have a few gods, so we'll get to all those. Um, first, we'll start with Theros. So, the first thing we said is, okay, there's a couple things that are true about gods. One is that they're hard to kill, you know, that, that they're impressive, but also that gods a lot of the time are sort of up away. That, yeah, they do, like, even in Greek mythology, the gods did eventually come down to Earth from time to time, but it wasn't often. They were off, off you know, up in, um, you know, they, they were in their own, you know, uh, land in the sky and, and not walking on Earth most of the time. So how do you create something that that sort of has a sense of the feel of the gods being there, but also that the gods could show up and physically actually be there? How do you capture that? And in the same sense, we also wanted gods to be hard, gods to, be hard to get rid of. Um, so early on, we made the decision that we, we wanted the set to be an Enchantment Matter set. And so... The, the idea that we came up with early on that st stuck all the way through was that enchantments represented the feel of the gods, the sort of the touch of the gods. And once we knew that, we knew that we wanted the gods themselves to be enchantments, that we wanted, like, what, in order to make enchantments work in the set, we needed to have enchantment creatures. So the set had enchantment creatures, uh, and all of them were sort of creations of the gods. Well, if they were creations of the gods, shouldn't the gods themselves be enchantments? 
And once we decided we wanted them to be legendary enchantment creatures, it is good that we decided to go with God because nothing else fit. So we didn't have a lot of space. Um, okay, so the idea we came up with, and, and we actually built this first for the five monocolor gods. So in Theros, Heliod, Thassa, Erebos, uh, Perforos, Perf and Nylea, which are the five, the, the sort of major gods, if you will, the other the multicolor, more the minor gods. Um, we made them the monocolor gods, and um, Heliod was like loosely after Zeus, and Thassa was after Poseidon, and Erebus was after Hades, and Perforos was after um, Vulcan, uh, or that's the, Vulcan's not the Greek name, but um, um, I'm blinking on his name, but Vulcan was the Roman name of it. And then Kylia was like kind of Athena, goddess of the hunt. Um, so we, we, I mean, and once again, we, the, the monocolors had a little more direct uh, influences. The multicolors, sometimes we join things together. Um, okay. So th the first idea we had is, okay, enchanted creature. Uh, and then we liked the idea that they were indestructible. So they were hard to deal with. Um, and then, um, the set had devotion, right? Um, and devotion was a mechanic that counted the number of pips of a certain color you had. And said, okay, well, what if you had to have a certain devotion for them to show up? Like, enough people had to believe in them for them to come down. And so what we did is we gave them, um, we gave them uh, three abilities, basically, or four abilities. One, they were indestructible. So all five of them, and as I get into the other ten, they, they follow this pattern. They're all indestructible. They had a devotion. So they said, hey, if I meet a certain devotion, and the devotion was uh, five for the monocolors... Then it had a, a, an enchantment ability. So the idea is, even if it's not a creature yet, this ability still works. And then it had a second activated ability that allowed you to do something. Um, and so the idea, that's how all five of them work. They, they're indestructible. If you have a devotion of five, they become a creature. They have a static ability. They have an activated ability. And usually there was some synergy between them. You know, Heliod makes... Uh, two one enchantment creature tokens, and then its static ability it gives vigilance. So there's there's synergy. So the 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 static ability and the activated ability would have some synergy between them. Um, okay, so that is how we built the the basic gods of the monocolor gods. But then we decided that we wanted in each of the next two sets. So it was a block. So in Theros we had the monocolor gods. In Born of the Gods, we had the Allied Color Gods. And then in Journey to Nyx, we had the Enemy Color Gods. So we decided we wanted to design the ten uh, multicolor gods um, the same. So like the monocolor gods, they were all indestructible. And they are all legendary enchantment creatures. And they all had a devotion. Now, because the devotion was for two colors rather than one color... All of the two-color ones had a devotion of seven to become a creature, just because it's easier to turn them on uh, than it was the monocolor ones. Now, true, if you play a monocolor deck, it's easier to turn on the monocolor ones. But um, the idea was, because it counted tw uh, two different colors, we made them seven. Uh, and then there was one sort of uh, enchantment-like ability. On the ones we did, on the monocolor ones, we did a, a very simple static ability and an activated ability. Uh, but what we did on the multicolor ones, we just did one more elaborate static ability that would tie into them. Um, and so the the uh, allied color ones were Afara and Kometra and Mogus and Phoenix and Xenagos. Xenagos, by the way, had been... Um, uh, a planeswalker in the first set and became a god in the second set. Uh, we had never, we had never had a planeswalker become a creature, given become a god. Um, but uh, that was even goes. And then uh, in the 
Third, that the enemies were Athreos, Eros, Coronas, Crufix, and Frika. And all of these, by the way, we really sort of, um, the creative team looked at all the sort of what are people gods of, and so we did different versions, and we did our take on it, Harvest and War, and you know, like the, um, the people who, you know, Athros leads you uh, when you die. Um, we, you know, we, we, we looked and said, where can we do it? And some of the times we sort of combined things, some of the times we sort of went our own direction, um... You know, so like there were there were definitely gods of different kinds of things, but it was very much inspired by Greek mythology and the kinds of things that made sense. And um, we purposely just chose to make not all the gods even humanoid. Like Mogus is like a minotaur. Um, obviously, Xenagos is a satyr. Um, Eros is a centaur. So we, we, we definitely mixed it up a little bit, although uh, there was no room on the cards to say anything other than God. So even though they had other, you know, even though, um, you know, Mogus is a minotaur, it doesn't say minotaur God on it. Um, and we decided, I mean, because they were enchantment creatures, there just wasn't space, so they were gods. So we made, we made those ten gods. Okay, so the interesting thing is um, now we come along to um, Amonkhet. And we're like, okay, we made a Greek mythology-inspired set. We made gods that were very popular. Um, okay, now we're in the um, uh, Egyptian-inspired. Okay, well, okay, we we have to have gods, right? Like, it's Egyptian mythology-inspired. Like, the, the, the you know, the, the gods were a big part of Egyptian mythology. So, like, okay. So, we sort of said, okay, let's, let's follow, like, one of the things when you do something for the first time is you're definitely setting some expectations. But the second time you do it, you're even more so, like two lines draw a line, you know, two uh, dots draw a line. So, like, we, we wanted to say, well, what what was inherent to being a god and what was, well, these were the Greek gods, but, the, you know, the, the, the Egyptian gods could be different. Um, so the first thing we did was um, we decided that we were going to make them indestructible. Um, uh, I, I think our thought at the time was, oh, maybe that's part of the, the sense of a god, they're indestructible. As you will see, we, we, we move off that eventually. But uh, early on in Amica, like, okay, well, they're gods, they're indestructible. <coughs> and so what we said is, okay, we're not going to make them enchantment gods. Enchantment gods and devotion, that was a, that's a Greek mythology thing, you know. Um, we decided we're going to make them a little bit more real. Like, in the story, the gods walk among the people. Like, they, they are there all the time. Um, you know, it, it is, they're less of sort of this myth that maybe you run into, but you hear about, and more of, like, they're tangibly there. Um, we did a big part of the story. So when we built Amonkhet, um, we blended sort of Egyptian with this feeling of Bolas, because uh, it was, Bolas had warped the plane. And so um, what we had done was, the first set has five monocolors, so kind of set up like we did Amonkhet. Uh, we, we once again, divided the pantheon through colors, and the colors represented something. Uh, in Amonkhet, there was a series of tests, and so the um, they represented these five tests that happened. Um, and the idea was, if you made it through the, the tests, then you were killed in a glorious way. But secretly, uh, Bulls was just trying to build a zombie army, so it turned out to be... Not so good. Uh, but I will. I will stress. By the way, the gods, the five monocolor gods, had no idea. I mean, they knew Bolas existed, but they didn't understand the larger scope of what was going on. Um, so, um, so what we did with the, these gods is all of them are indestructible. Plus, they have another keyword. So, Oketra has double strike. Kefnis has flying. Bantu has menace. Hazaret has in, uh, haste. 
and Ronus has Death Touch. So um, we give them each uh, an ability plus Indestructible, so two abilities if you've got Indestructible. Uh, and then we gave them a, they, they can't attack or block unless a certain condition is met. So it was kind of like saying like, oh, kind of like the, the gods that we did in um, Theros, they're, they're creatures and they're a little cheaper for creatures than normal, but you can't always attack or block. That like You have to sort of have the right conditions. Now, the difference between Theros and um, Amonkhet is in Theros, it's devotion. Now, Yes, you can lose creatures. Yes, you can gain and lose devotion. But pretty much, once you turn them on, most of the time they stayed on. Uh, with the Amonkhet ones, you had to meet a certain condition that was not necessarily as easy to keep or go. Like Oketra said, you have to control three other creatures. Kefnet, yes, you had to have seven more cards in hand. Bantu was a creature had to die under your control. Hazret was you have one or fewer cards in hand. And Ronus was you have to have a power or four or greater. These were things that you could get, but were a little bit easier to change. Um, devotion in general, I mean, you can kill creatures with lower devotion, but it, it's a little harder, especially when, like, if you, you need a devotion of five for the monocolor, and like, hey, it's not that hard to get up to ten or twenty, or, you know, to get higher numbers later in the game, and so it's a lot harder to turn them off when that happens. Um, finally, we also gave them each an activated ability that you could use even if you, they couldn't attack yet. So, Similar to the uh, Therosian um, ones, there definitely is this idea of they come and play, they're a little cheaper for what they are, they're indestructible, but there's a condition by which you can attack with them. But even when that isn't met, they, ha they have this kind of global effect um, that you can use. So even if they're not attacking or blocking yet, you still can use their ability. And once again, the ability you're using, like Oketra, lets you make uh, creature tokens. Well, you can't attack unless you have three or more creature tokens. So, um, the the idea was the ability of the creature would build up and help you to get there. I will stress, by the way, in retrospect, the fact that we gave him indestructible when four of the five would be killed. Sorry, spoiler alert: four of the five get killed. Um, I'm I'm going to talk about their zombies in a second, so hopefully that becomes apparent. Uh, everybody but Hazard actually got killed in the story. Um, by the gods I'm going to talk about in a second. Um, so the fact that Indestructible is a little bit quirky, I mean, you you can sacrifice them, I guess, but it, it is a little quirky that Indestructible when in the story they die, so in retrospect. Okay, next up was the Locust God, the Scarab God, and the Scorpion God. Uh, so what happens is um, Bolas brings back these three old gods who end up destroying everything and killing uh, four of the five gods and lots of the people, Um and so we needed to represent that because they were bolus. Because it was bolus doing, we ended up taking the three bolus co color combinations. So uh, bolus is blue, black, and red. So blue, red, blue, black, and black, red um, to represent them. Um, once again, oh, the one thing we also did do, by the way, with the original ones is we flavored them as all having animals, like being animal heads, because that was really big in uh, uh, mythology for um, Egyptian mythology. Um, but anyway, uh, we ended up playing these guys a little bit different. One of the things that at some point, I believe, uh, Play Design came to us and said, we stop it with the indestructible. It's really hard to balance indestructible cards. Even when you have, like, restrictions to when there are creatures and when they're not, it's still hard to balance them. So uh, the Locust God, the Scarab God, and the Scorpion God, we changed it. So instead of being indestructible, they can be killed. Um, if you kill them... They go back to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. So um, if you kill them, they do. you do get them back, so you can replay them again. Um, so it's not that they... you They have a sort of... It's hard to get rid of them, but not quite as hard as the indestructible versions. 
Um, so the way this one worked is there was, it wasn't quite as clean a parallel between these three. They were all multicolored, obviously. Um, like, the Locust God had flying, but the other two didn't have a, a, a creature ability. Um, all three of them had an activated ability, and all of them had a triggered ability. Um, the Scarab God had two triggered abilities, and the Scorpion God had a static ability, and the Locust God had a static ability. So, I guess all three of them had three abilities. One is activated, one is triggered, and the first one um, could be triggered, could be uh, static. Um, and the other th big thing about the, the three gods from um, the, the, um, the, the multicolor gods is they were destructive, and all their abilities are very destructive and are, are harming things. Um, although the locust god, I guess, is more making locusts than, than cause issues. Um, but anyway, so those were the sort of the other gods from Amenket. Okay, so now we get to War of the Spark. So remember I mentioned that three of the four got, I'm sorry, four of the five got killed? Well, as part of Bolus's master plan to make us, uh, us almost cycle, we'll get to that in a second, of zombie gods. So now for the first time, uh, gods have another creature type. Before that, they had not. They were always enchanted creature god or a legendary creature. They're all legendary gods, but they had no other creature type. Well, for the first time, we now meet uh, gods that have another creature type. It's the zombie gods. So, uh, Oketra and Kefnet and Bantu and Ronus become god eternal. Um, so what we do with these is, um, we give them all a keyword. Um, we give them a stat, uh, sorry, a triggered ability. Uh, and then we give them, we give them two, I guess we give them two triggered abilities. They're all, yeah, they're all two triggered. So they have two triggered abilities. Um, one of which is their main effect when they do in play. And the other says, when I die, um, you put it third from the top. So the idea is if you kill these, okay, they're hard to kill gods, but they're not, they're not indestructible like the early gods. They're not back to your hand to end a turn. It's like, oh, they're, they're going to be away for three turns before you can cast them again. So you're starting to see that we're starting to make it a little easier to get rid of gods. The gods have proved to be a little problematic. Um... So the one tricky thing is we didn't that the red god didn't die. So in this set we made Ilharg the raised boar. So in the mythology there was this boar god that I think um, the gruel prayed to I think. But anyway we brought him back and then we we um, made him function just like the other god. So he has a, a static ability, a creature ability. Sorry, he has a creature ability and then he has two act. Uh, sorry, two triggered abilities. And so, um, so he works, so he's designed to be just like the other gods as far as working the same mechanically. Uh, he's a boar god and not a zombie god, so he's, he's slightly different flavor-wise, but it's sort of part of, of that cycle. Um, okay, next up, we return to Theros. Um, so we went back to Theros, like, okay, well, we're, we're back in Theros, so... Uh, we had a lot of talk of, like, we had moved away from kind of how gods functioned when we had went to other worlds. Uh, so we're like, okay, well, do we want to learn that? Like, well, we've seen these gods before. They worked a certain way. And so we decided that we were going to retreat back to the way they worked. Um, so, for example, uh, once again, it's the same five monocolors. Heliod, Thassa, Erebos, Perforos, and Nylea. Um... Oh, one thing, by the way, I didn't mention real quickly that we did do that was kind of fun in the original Theros is we made equipment for each of the five major gods, and those got, those equipment appeared as their own cycle as legendary, um, 
a legendary artifact enchantments, which is the first time I think we had done artifact enchantments. And, and they're legendary to boot. So anyway, something cool we had done, I, I forgot to mention. Um, okay, anyway, so we come back, we're like, okay, they're going to be legendary enchantment creatures again, because that's what the Theros God, you know, legendary enchantment creature God. Um, we made them indestructible. We did have a lot of discussion of whether they're supposed to be indestructible or not. Um, just cause from a, from play design, it, it's, indestructible things are not that fun. Um, but, okay, we gave them the same devotion, so you have to have a devotion of five to, to your color, uh, to become a creature. Um, and then we gave them all a triggered ability, um, and then we gave them an activated ability. Um, so it, it's pretty similar. Well, I guess the first time they came, it was, they were all static abilities. Um, well, they weren't all static. I guess some were static and some were triggered. Um, but the, this time when we went back, we made them all, I think they're all triggered. They all, uh, no, no, they're not. Porphos isn't triggered. So, okay, it's a combination, uh, and neither is Nylea. So it's a, com once again, it's a combination of some are triggered, some are static abilities. But they, they have an ability that's much like a enchantment, and they, they have an activated ability. Um, and so the idea is you can use your activated ability to do your thing, um, and the, usually the activated ability and the static ability had synergy between them. For example, you know, Heliod says, when you gain life, you put a plus one counter on target creature or enchantment you control. And its activated ability gives something a lifelink. So it enables you to gain life so that you can do this, the other ability. And the cards all have that synergy between them. That, that's designed by how we made them. Um, so, and once again, we had a big conversation about what gods we wanted to include in Return to Theros. Um, and we finally decided, like... There was talk of should we bring back all 15. The problem was it was just too much to fit into one set. Uh, and so what we decided was uh, we wouldn't do that. Um, and so what we did is we brought back two gods. Well, I should say we brought back one god and then introduced a brand new god. Um, so Athreos, um, a major part of the story is about, um, or the main story, is about um, Elspeth breaking out of the underworld, right? And so in order to do that, we're like, okay, we... Athreos played a big role. Like, okay, Athreos should be in the set. So we had Athreos in the set. Um, the other one, Clothius, is um, when Xenagos had taken over, we needed there to be a vacancy so that, that he could take over. But we had talked about the former red-green god. And so when you go to the underworld, you meet the red-green god. Uh, and Clothius is sort of our... Um, we, we had wanted to do something that was kind of inspired by Aphrodite. I think this is our, our Aphrodite-inspired one. Or, or well, actually, I take that back. It ended up being God of Destiny. For a while, it was like God. It was it was more Aphrodite, but we we did change that. But anyway, um, so we did make Clothis and Athreos. Okay, so the next time we do gods, it is Norse mythology. So you, you can see our our mythology influence sets are the ones that make the gods most of the time. Um, okay, so this time we wanted to do something different. We really knew that we didn't want to do indestructible. Um, but we had a tool at our disposal that ended up being pretty cool, which is we had modal double face cards. Um, and early on, we got across this idea of what if um, our, you know, our, our, our variant of Thor had a hammer? Um, so, like, one side would be our Thor variant, and one side, the other side would be his hammer. Uh, and so we really got into this idea of what if we use the, um, the MDFCs uh, to be... The, the mechanic for our gods. Uh, so in in um, um, Kaldheim, uh, other than there's four uh, dual lands that's finishing a cycle from um, Zendikar Rising, other than those dual lands, 
every uh, mortal double face card in the set is a god. And they are a god on one side, and they are something else on the other side. And we really had fun saying, you know, what co- kind of cool things we do. The first one we came up with the idea of what Toroff was our our Thor stand-in, uh, and he had hammer. That made a lot of sense. Uh, the next one we came up with was um, Alrin, which is our Odin-like character, uh, would have a raven, because Odin had ravens, and we thought it was kind of cool. Um, and once again, we thought it was neat to change it up. So, like, Torolf has equipment on the backside. Um, Alrund has a creature on the backside. Um, the next one we came up with was Valky. So Valky, God of Lies, which is kind of like our Loki. The back of it is Tybalt, because it turns out that Tybalt's pretending to be the God of Lies. Um, it just, it, it was a very Loki moment, or ironically, he's pretending to be the God of Lies. But um, there's a lot of trickery there. We thought that it was fun, and Tybalt was, was one of our, 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 our main bad guy. Um, so anyway, we thought that was fun. So those are the first three we came up with. Uh, and then um, we came up with some other. So uh, Esrika, um or not, sorry, not Esrika, uh who has the, who, oh, uh, Hel, let's see, Helvar, Helvar had a sword, so um, Helvar got a battle, he was another one we gave an equipment to, so he had a, a the masterful sword he played, R- R- uh, Raydane had the protector shield, so that, uh, we, we did, a, like, in white, we did a bunch of warrior stuff, there's a lot of warrior things, um, Cosmina got a, the voyage, got a ship, so we had a vehicle, we thought it was cool to have some vehicles, Egon got a death, Oh, had his throne on the back. Um, Tegrid, god of fright, had a lantern. Um, Bergi, god of storytelling, had a horn. Um, uh, Esrika was one of the fun ones, had the prismatic bridge. So that is our Heimdall uh, stand-in. Uh, and so the idea is uh, the there's a rainbow bridge in Norse mythology. So the idea that we do a prismatic bridge, we made a five-color. Um, so that was pretty fun. Uh, Jorn... On the back side has his staff, um, and Kolvari has the crest. Um, so mostly what we did is we just kind of thought what were cool and innovative things that made a lot of sense as as th- things it could be. So some are objects, some are creatures, one's a planeswalker. We had a lot of fun of sort of finding things. And the idea that's neat is if you play the, the god and then later on draw a second copy with well, a legendary, so now you can play the flip side and you play the other thing and they're made to be synergistic. So if you played Thor and put it, and then when you draw it again and play his hammer, Thor is good with his hammer. It works well together. That, that was the idea there. Um, okay, so next up, the next time God showed up was in Modern Horizons 2 on Selvin of Sky and Sea and Sky. Um... I'm trying to remember. I, I, I this this is why I'm losing my lore. This is a character that was from an existing world, but I don't remember what world. Um, does it say some Merfolk? So this was a Merfolk god that we had talked about in previously in another story, and I thought it was fun. Like now that we had a bunch of gods under our belt, and and up to this point, all the gods had been gods from mythological inspired worlds. But finally, uh, Sevelin was a god we'd invented for another world that you know. A lot of times we'll invent gods, but it was kind of fun to finally sort of make a god and show it. So that was cool to do that. It, it was literally a god from another story we had done. Finally, the last two gods are Asmodeus the Archfiend and Tiamat. So these were both in the Dungeon Dragon set, Adventures of Forgotten Realm. Uh, these are both characters 
from Dungeon Dragons that are gods in Dungeon Dragons. And so it allowed us to use the creature type. Now, the one thing about Sylvan and Asmodeus and Tiamat is they aren't part of Cycle. They're just, we sort of just made them to be what the story was of that god. And so we were able to do that. So these were just top downs. Um, it didn't, all the previous gods had been cycles because they had been part of pantheons of different worlds. Um, and these were just one of, so we got, we got to do cool things, just one of, but I think what happened is we had done enough gods under our belt that like, oh, these things are in the stories, gods. Okay. We can call them gods. And we started making more one of gods, which we hadn't done really prior to these last three. Um, but it was kind of fun. And like Tiamat was, um, it let, let us do some splashy things. And it, it like one of the things that's really interesting is early magic, we made gods, but we didn't call them gods. It wasn't a creature type god. But once we started cementing gods and we, you know, once we had sort of got our, um, we had made gods something that was established, you know, between Theros and Amonkhet and Kaldime. Like, okay, gods are a thing we do that we started letting us individually start to make gods. And I, I think now that we sort of have gotten a little bit more comfortable with God as a creature type, you will see us using it in places where it makes sense. Um, sort of, I mean, kind of what this last year has taught us between Modern Horizons and uh, Adventure of Forgotten Realms is, hey, if something in story is a god, hey, we have that tool in our toolbox and we can make it a god. We've also sort of said, hey, we can be, you know, gods can be a little more like, we definitely want the feeling of a gods and we want gods in, in a similar world in a pantheon to feel similar to one another, but like, gods don't have to be indestructible, gods don't have to, like, you know, we have some flexibility in how we can do it. And I think over time, um, we found a bunch of really fun ways to do it. And that's one of the neat things about the god creature type has been we've really experimented and like in each of the, like, I think the Theros gods and the Amonkent gods and the Kaldheim gods all really felt like gods. They were a pantheon. They did their own thing, but they each did the thing differently and felt like gods in their own way. And I, I think um, that, that was a lot of fun. And like, one of the reasons I want to talk about gods today is it really has been an interesting exploration as we played with it, figuring out how we can do it and what we could do with it. And really with time, I think we started being really tight in what it had to be, and we've expanded with time. So I, I do think the future of gods is much more open, uh, and I do think as we find places to do them, we're, we're, we're going to be more willing to use the god creature type. But anyway, guys, uh, I am at my desk, so I've made it to work. So we all know what that means. It means at the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I had fun talking gods today, but it is time for me to go. So I'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.